Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning. Thank you for joining me on the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to thank you for taking some time to be with us this morning. And I'll also just do what I do every week and just remind you that what you're about to hear today shouldn't be considered individual investment advice, but instead is mine and my firm's thoughts on what's going on in the market and the economy. If you want to discuss how it might relate to your personal portfolio, I'd encourage you to give us a call. So let's go ahead and dig into the last week or so and some of our topics today. You know, last week was kind of a meh. You know, what's that that emoji with just kind of the flat line, the meh emoji? That was kind of last week in the market. There was a good bit of volatility, but the result was, you know, we were up a little bit. Most of that happened on Friday. But other than that, it was pretty flat. And it wasn't like there was a whole lot of drama in the market either. We had some good earnings reports last week, which helped. We had some decent economic data, which also helped. But in the end, it was kind of a nondescript week. My guess is that's probably because everyone was hunkering down waiting for this week and the big Fed meeting. If you want to hear more about that, I'd encourage you to go listen to last week's podcast where we went into that in depth. There's a lot going on there, and it's going to be a big week for the markets this week. But I wanted to take advantage of the lull in the news to address another looming concern, if you will, the debt ceiling. You know, I don't know how I could possibly go wrong picking up Washington's latest political hot potato, but we're just going to dive in. And, you know, I think in all seriousness, I do want to tackle this issue in the least political way possible. Are we fiscally conservative here at Insight? Absolutely. You bet we are. And I think you'd probably like to hear that from your financial advisor, no matter which side of the aisle you fall on. But I also think it's possible and frankly, really, really important to have an intellectually honest conversation about this topic, despite all the current vitriol going on in American politics. So after we go through this today, I hope you'll get back to us and let me know your thoughts on it as well. I am certainly open to learning more on this. But before we dive into the issues surrounding the debt ceiling, I think the first thing we have to do is address what is the debt ceiling? Because there has been a lot of debate on the debt ceiling in Washington for years and years and years. In fact, they've raised the debt ceiling 102 times since World War II. But very rarely have we ever actually heard it explained factually. So let's start by just laying out the facts because it's important to understand that the debt ceiling is not about authorizing spending. It is about spending that Congress has already authorized. So you have to think about it this way. There's kind of a process. First, Congress authorizes and the president approves spending in the budget process. For the last many, many, many years, that spending has been more than the income the government receives from tax revenue. That creates deficits. To cover those deficits, which again, they're congressionally mandated, the Treasury Department goes out and borrows money by issuing government securities, bonds, notes, etc., As everyone who is hearing my voice knows, the debt issued by the U.S. government is widely considered to be one of the safest investments in the world. If you like Game of Thrones, the U.S. government were the Lannisters. We always pay our debt. We've never defaulted on our debt. Now, separate from this process, Congress has, since World War II, imposed a limit on the amount of money that the Treasury Department can borrow on behalf of the government. This limit, known to us as the debt ceiling, has nothing to do with the amount of spending that is authorized. They're two totally different things. Now, if the debt ceiling is not raised to match the spending authorized by Congress, now the Treasury Department runs out of money and runs out of the ability to borrow money 
and is now unable to pay its debts, which would lead to a default on Treasury securities. So now we get to the political football we're seeing right now. The House Republicans last week passed something called the Limit, Save, Grow Act. This bill, if approved by the Senate and the President, would authorize an increase in the debt ceiling while also placing limits on future discretionary spending. It was the opening salvo in the long-running debate in this process. Let's be clear, it's not going to happen. The Senate is not going to vote for it. President Biden's response was essentially, no way, Jose. Now, both sides have a decent argument, and both sides are being fairly disingenuous as well. So let's break down what they're saying, because for Biden, it's very straightforward, and it ties back to the facts that I talked about before on how the debt ceiling works versus how spending works. His point is that this is not a spending question. It is authorizing the debt necessary for the spending that was already approved by Republicans and Democrats. Congress, you put us in this spot. To then not authorize us to take out the loans necessary is really silly. To hold that authorization hostage over something you want politically, that's pretty shady. And that's what the president's saying. Now, for McCarthy, it's just the opposite. You know, he and the Republicans in Washington don't have a lot of chips in the big game right now. They don't control the White House or the Senate and their House majority is pretty slim. This is one of the few places where they can actually successfully exert power. So he's taking advantage of the moment. He was able to line up 218 Republicans last week. That's a big deal. And the Limit Save Grow Act would successfully limit discretionary budget growth at the federal level for some time. Now, the disingenuous part of this it's that this is a game Republicans and Democrats have played. Ironically, it was then-Senator Biden out front leading the charge on this back in 2003, 2005, 2006, when the democratically-controlled Senate made this an issue for the Bush administration. And on the other side, man, I did not hear Kevin McCarthy and his fiscally conservative Republicans complaining about increasing the debt ceiling when President Trump was in office. But the other side is they're both right. Biden is right. We have a debt ceiling problem and we shouldn't have to horse trade every time the government needs to pay its bills. It is a very risky proposition. One day we are going to get too close to this line. We're going to walk right up to the edge of the cliff and the rocks are going to fall out from underneath us. If America defaults on its debt, everything gets harder. It becomes harder to borrow money. Interest rates go up. It will cause substantial damage to the economy. But McCarthy's right too. We have a spending problem, and while McCarthy's bill does something, it barely scrapes the surface. I include a chart in the memo, as I do oftentimes. You can see it in the show notes, but it looks at what this bill does for discretionary appropriations. But you have to note that this big win in this bill is limiting the growth of discretionary appropriations. It is not cutting discretionary appropriations, except in the first year. And it is not doing anything for the rest of the budget. 81% of spending growth in the federal budget is not coming from the items that McCarthy's bill is cutting. It is coming from healthcare, Social Security, and interest payments on our debt, non-discretionary spending. In fact, a recent study showed that if you want to create a deficit-free federal budget, the path we have to go is amazing. Because what this group said, it's called the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget. They said, listen, Democrats are never going to let us touch non-discretionary spending, Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Republicans are never going to let us touch the defense budget. So if you take those two things and you push them off to the side and say, now we have to balance the budget with everything else. So that's bridges, roads, schools, law enforcement, food stamps. In Iowa, the Agriculture Department, big, big deal. 
If you want to balance the budget on the back of those programs, every single discretionary non-defense program in the federal budget would have to be cut by 78%. It's not going to happen. You and I both know that. Frankly, this is not a problem we're going to fix anytime soon. If we really want to address it, it's going to take years of hard work and conscientious attention by our leaders in Washington. I haven't seen that in a while. Have you? So if that's unlikely, how about we just don't crash the plane just to score some political points? This economy has borne a lot. A miss on the debt ceiling in a few weeks would likely be a bridge too far. So it's an important issue. Hopefully Washington will do the right thing. In years past, they have. We got a little too close to the ledge back in 2011, but we've never fallen off of it. Let's hope they don't do it again. We'll wrap it up there this week. As always, if you'd like to discuss this or have any questions, give us a call here at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a fantastic week. And next week, we're going to be talking about the Fed meeting, and that's going to have a huge impact on portfolios for the rest of the year. Really looking forward to it. Take care. Securities offered through RTA Wealth Managers, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, NFA. Investment advisory services offered through RTA Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.